Welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we are unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Crystal Roberts, and together with Trisha Ryan, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we're exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hey, Crystal, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Trisha? I'm doing really well. And I'm really glad that we're here today to talk about a topic that we decided we're going to be talking about all year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. The, the, the focus of our of our podcast is going to be hope. So it's so exciting to be talking about something like that. I mean, it's much bigger than the four letters that make up that word. Yeah. It's a great place for inspiration. Yeah. It's motivating. It has energy movement. And it's it's really what we're all about when we talk about unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. That's hope. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it just so happens that there's even some science behind it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And if you want to know more about why we chose hope for the podcast, you can go back to our last episode where we talk a little bit about our plans, our personal plans for the year, but also about why we chose hope for for our focus this year and we're, we're really excited about it it's a great guiding light for us and i think this is a great time for us to be talking about hope because yeah. there are so many changes and we've had a few years where people might not have felt that that was um, such a an easy thing to have right right but we have emerged somewhat i think we're always going to have something like that on the horizon but we've proven that we can we can stand up to it yeah. and in most cases. And so, you know, I, I think that it takes hope to get there. It took hope. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So we thought today we'd take a little bit of time to actually talk about what is hope. So when we talk about this, it's really important. Language is important. And so we want to define what does hope mean to us? And then also talk a little about what's our experience with hope. And then when we take a look at leadership, what does what does hope look like in leadership? It isn't just a soft, fuzzy thing. This mm-hmm. is actually a pretty tangible thing. It's an important thing when we think about leadership. So we'll talk about that as well. It's a foundation. It's it a is foundation. one of the foundations yeah. that sets upon which leadership kind of stands, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you... So I, I Googled it. Yeah, I was going to say, you Googled and we got lots of goodies. Yeah, just Google it, right? What what does hope mean? So when you look at Merriam-Webster, they say it's to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or be true. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some, some words in there around expectation of obtainment or fulfillment. And it also has to do with trust, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, and... You know, I think that's true. You know, if you don't trust the person you're with and you have a need for to have hope or you're looking to have, you need hope for something, maybe there's something you're facing, um, trust is going to be essential. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Trust in other people in relationships. And when we look at how Brene Brown looks at hope in her book, Atlas of the Heart, she says, we need hope 
like we need air. Mm. Oh, yes. I love that. It's so poetic. And she says that we need hope like we need air. To live without hope is to risk suffocating on hopelessness and despair, risk being crushed by the belief that there is no way out of what is holding us back, no way to get to what we desperately need. But hope is not what most of us think it is. It's not a warm, fuzzy emotion that fills us with a sense of possibility. Hope is a way of thinking, a cognitive process. And mm. I thought that was really interesting, that it's not just about a feeling, yeah. but it's actually how we think. And so we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But uh, emotions do play a role, she says. But hope is made up of what researcher C.R. Snyder calls a trilogy of goals, pathways, and agency. And we get this through three things. We have hope when we have the ability to set realistic goals. I know where I want to go. We are able to figure out how to achieve those goals, including the ability to stay flexible and develop alternative pathways. And we have agency. We believe in ourselves that we can do this. And that's when we experience hope. When we have goals, we have a way to get there. And we believe in ourselves, our own ability to do it. You know, I would I would say when you said, when you read about agency, that you have that in yourself. But I think also you need to have it in others as well. I mean, especially if you're, if you're not the only one who's going through something and hope is something you need, right? Right. It's like looking to others as well, looking outside of yourself. But it all starts with that internal assessment of where we are. Yeah. What I find interesting, and, and I'm just... I'm going off of any, we don't really have a script, you guys, but I'm going off script here. Um, (laughs) But I find it interesting that hope often is not a conscious effort at all. I mean, I'm not even thinking about hope when I'm hopeful most of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, if if I'm hoping for something, if something is coming around the corner and I'm hoping that it's me, you know, the energizer bunny, you know, I want, I want it to come to me. I don't even think about, oh, I'm hopeful. I'm being hopeful. You know, it's just something that happens. And I think most people probably are that way about a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. Those of us who live in hope. Yeah. I think that's true. And I think as we explore some of these articles that we've read, that they show us that there's actually a path to hopefulness, Mm -hmm. that that when we do lose hope, that there is a way to actually build that muscle. And it actually is a way of thinking. You just made it. You made total sense when you said it, that muscle yeah it's that re, you know like we we've always talked about resilience being a mental muscle right yeah. and same thing goes for hope yeah it is a muscle yeah and we tend to and we'll talk about this in a minute but the neuro science around this mm-hmm. is our brains do tend to actually go to the negative and right. so helping you know that mindfulness being present that helps us to refocus us mm-hmm. back on to the hope and the positivity And kind of related to that, Brene also brings up, which I think is such an interesting piece about hope, is that hope is a function of struggle Mm -hmm. and that it is, and it's part of that building that muscle. It's like through us actually seeing that we can get through hard things, that we can overcome things, Mm -hmm. that that actually is what helps us to be hopeful because we realize that we do have some agency around it that we can actually make a difference. And as you and I were talking before, it sounds an awful lot like resilience. It does. It does. Yeah. You know, and I have family 
I have family stories. We'll have to talk about them in a few minutes or something that, you know, that I think is a great example, at least it was for me growing up, um, of hope. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think the other thing from, from her work that I just wanted to bring out, which I think is really important, is that we do recognize that there are populations of people, there are marginalized populations mm-hmm. of people who are in systemic oppression that it is hard to have hope. Yes. So, and that's that's real because you you see that the system is set up against you, and sometimes you can't get out of that system. Mm-hmm. And so, having hope is not the same for everyone. Yeah, and that I think that is interesting. If you've ever been in a group of you know, like I don't know, in school or something, a group of people that um, talk about hope at some point, there's an assumption that we all have the same hope what hope is mm-hmm. you know and it's not it's different for every single person right? right because if you think about what marcus buckingham has said that every single individual on this earth is very different right, right. there are no two people who are alike yeah and so my my idea of hope is very different from yours yeah. and so for us to talk about hope it's interesting because yeah. i have no idea what's going through your head right now as yeah. you're talking about it yeah. And you don't know what's going through your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think when mm. just recognizing that yeah. piece that, that that there is struggle around hope and that it that is our responsibility as leaders mm-hmm. to identify that in our organizations. Where are there systems that are in place that we need to change that are holding people back right. from hope, that they feel despair, that they can't move forward, that they can't bring them their full selves to work. Mm-hmm. And that we want to release that. We want to change those systems. We want to center those systems on the most marginalized population so that we can make sure that there's equity for everyone. You know, if you think about um, change that happens in an organization sometimes, you know, things that don't make sense, that's happened in businesses before where they've just said, we're going to go off the rails, we're going to do this. And nobody understood why, even if it was explained. And people didn't have a lot of hope that it would go, you know, I'm just giving an example. People may yeah. not have a lot of hope that it's going to, to um, you know, fly. And the next thing you know, the project actually ends or the change doesn't happen sometimes because hope is something you have to have and it is a real thing. And if nobody has an idea of where where they fit into a piece, that's a part of hopelessness. It's like, I, I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to do that. I'm no, I don't know how, I don't see myself in it. I can't. You know, that's sort of yeah. a hopeless moment, right? Mm-hmm. And if there are enough people that feel that way, that's when leaders need to you know, stand up and think about what are we doing? Does this make sense? Because sometimes your best critics, you know, or the best people to look, put those fresh eyes on it are the people who are going to have to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Listening, listening to, to our employees Mm -hmm. about what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And believing them. That's the hope can have a lot to do with it. I mean, while it's a leader's job to instill hope if they can, you know, and inspire, um, Sometimes they need to also just be a good listener. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when we think about why does hope matter, we've found an article by the Harvard Health Publishing, the Harvard Medical School, by 
Adam Stern, and he brought in some of the science pieces around this. He talked about how hope is beginning to reveal its value in scientific studies. He says, among young adults with chronic illnesses, greater degrees of hope are associated with improved coping, well-being, and engagement in health, mm-hmm. healthy behaviors. It also protects against depression and suicide. And among teens, hope is linked with health, quality of life, self-esteem, and a sense of purpose. Mm. It's an essential factor for developing both maturity and resilience. You know, and when I hear that, it it takes me back to this pandemic that we've gone through, right? And how so many young people, they went from being so social in each other's faces all the time to being on a screen and taking all their classes basically by themselves in a way. It kind of felt like it, I'm sure. And how that must have been so difficult to keep hope alive when they really didn't know what was going to be happening, right? They yeah. they saw what was happening. They heard about it. They read about it. They saw it in the news. And they had to go day to day on a screen, a flat screen. So that is, um, that's really interesting to me. When you're talking about young people especially, you know, yeah. because they are, I don't care what anybody says, there are hormones that, that cause more emotion to surface, right? When, it, when somebody is in their adolescent age, ages. And um, that's when hope is really important. You know, that I would think anything like that. Anytime that you're um, a kid, you're going to want, you're want, you're going to want to know that there's something ahead. There's more ahead. There's something in the future. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I imagine that was quite a test for most kids during yeah. the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And we know it's true actually for adults as well. Oh, right. I yes. mean, we, we have to have this hope. Um, and they, they talk about in this article that in general, hope is an essential component of well-being, and that when we need to sort of up our hope <laughs> quotient there, one of the biggest things that we can do is actually have gratitude. Mm. And so yes. we'll talk even about more things that will help us when we're feeling not a lot of hope. But I thought that was a really important one. We've talked a lot about gratitude mm-hmm. in yeah. this podcast. And so it was really interesting. I felt like we're coming full circle on that one. So hope how do you get hope? You appreciate what's actually happening in the yes. moment right now. You're looking around and looking at all the positive things you have right now. It's amazing how your mindset can, you know, change the way you see the world, right? Because yeah. it is what it is. That's exactly what it's supposed to do. But to be grateful or to live in gratitude is exactly what helps hope stay alive, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it goes hand in hand. I mean, if yeah. you're hopeful, you're grateful, right? Right. And I don't think we should ever stop talking about gratitude or resilience or hope because, quite frankly, those are things that creep into absolutely everything we do. And as leaders, they it is a huge portion of what makes leaders be effective. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Effective. Yeah. And they go on to say that even pain and discomfort Mm. oftentimes subside if if the patient has hope. So if they're feeling mm. less hope or no hope, there's a lot more pain for for a patient. So I thought that was really interesting that it actually has impacts like that. Well, and you think about um, 
a lot of Eastern medicine or a lot of other outside of the United States medical fields, they use a lot of mind tools to help people cope with whatever, right? And despair is like one of the worst things that you can have yeah. when you're when you're dealing with like a chronic illness or something. Having despair makes it worse, you know? Yeah. It makes it longer, it makes it harder, it makes it probably pretty unbearable, right? But hope is, it's the antithesis, actually. Yeah. You know, it's that thing that, that okay, I can get through today. I can get through this hour. I can get through the next five minutes, you know, if I have hope. Yeah. Another article, so we'll link all these in our mm -hmm. show notes uh, from Psychology Today called The Power of Hope and Recognizing When it when It's Hopeless. This is by Eku Hagen. They also talk about the impact on the body mm -hmm. and they bring up what probably a lot of people have heard about are these clinical drug trials with a placebo. And that when you look at it through the lens of hope, that's what's happening is that patients that have hope, they have increased identification of efficacy of the medication that they're receiving, which is actually the placebo. Mm. And so I thought that was a really interesting thing too, that bringing that hope piece into those clinical trials. You know, they, they also talked in this article about this was something that came out of a, looks like a study from Snyder, Harris, Anderson, and Holleran in 1991, quite a while back, that better problem-solving abilities have been found in people who are hopeful when compared to low-hope peers. And those who are hopeful have a tendency to be cognitively flexible and are able to mentally explore novel situations. And I think that's really, that is so true. You know, it's almost, some people think of that as a positive attitude, but it's hopeful. Yeah. I thought, wow, there's a lot of connection here to that growth mindset. I yes. Think, right? Absolutely. You have to believe that there's something better in order for you to even spend the energy to engage in problem solving. Exactly. Yeah. So growth mindset. Yeah, I Wonderful. I don't know how to ride a bike yet. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they go on to say that unconscious thought theory postulates that we are able to process information to get your brain to work on a problem in a non-conscious way mm -hmm. that can lead to bursts of insight. So here's the innovation piece. So yes. hopeful people are more innovative as well. So we can go on and on, obviously. There's so tons of, of research here that shows all the positive benefits of having hope. And these are just two short articles. Yeah. There is so much more out there. So we know that hope matters, mm -hmm. and we know it's really important, and now we know a little bit more about how we define hope, or how others define hope. So, Trisha... Can you tell us a little bit, maybe a, a story about yourself and hope? Hmm. Like when you've been hopeful or when you've not had hope? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about, we talked about this earlier and I really didn't have a, I didn't, you know, come out with a great example, but I thought about when I went to Maryland and I had worked in San Francisco, I had a wonderful career, was able to climb my career ladder, got what I needed. And I did some consulting, and I love that too. But at one point, I thought, I want to change my career path. And so I thought, I'm going to go to work for the federal government, <laughs> right? 
And I got a job with the Commerce Department in Washington, D.C., and um, decided that on a whim, I was going to like pack up my stuff and move to, to Maryland, actually, and then work in D.C. And I had all sorts of hope that that would be a rewarding experience and that I would get to experience the whole capital of the United States thing, which I had done when I was really little, but I was tiny, and I didn't remember that. So I had a lot of hope until my first day on the job, and I was told, well, we don't do it that way here. With everything I gave, they wanted me to do something specific for them, and every time I came up with an idea, they said, we don't do it that way here. And I started thinking, what have I come across the country for? What have I sold things and mm. packed things and moved to an apartment that I don't even really like because I was gonna be in the capital, right? I started losing a little bit of hope because the economy was going bad as well. Oh, At wow. that time, it was starting to get more and more expensive. I remember I had, um, I didn't have an SUV at the time, but gas was $4 a gallon. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to afford to live there mm. because cost of living was as high as it is here, but the, um, but salaries were not high. Yeah. So, you know, but most people were in two income families and so they probably made it work. I started losing all sorts of hope. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was stuck on that side of the world. <laughs> and yeah. I couldn't just turn around and come back to California. I had already given up everything here. So um, so I didn't feel very hopeful until I talked to my boss several months in. I, I kind of went through several months of feeling like there isn't anything for me here, but I didn't know how to get out of it. Yeah. And one day I went into the office and I thought, I've just got to be brave about this. And I went and talked to her and I said, I don't think that this job is right for me. And she said, you know, I was wondering the same thing. Oh. I thought, you know, because she could see how unhappy and how un, you know, unnerved I was all the time. And, yeah. and so I said, I think today's going to be my last day. And she said, well, why don't you wait till the end of the week? And I said, no, I think I'm gone today. <laughs> okay. I, I left, I took I had all sorts of books there. I had them all packed up and put them in the back of my car, went back to my apartment, painted the dining room. Oh. <laughs> you know, I just thought, I'm just going to do something frivolous. I had no job, and I had rent coming up in a couple of weeks. And the next day I got, I got a call from a recruiter asking if I would like to go for an interview at a local hospital that needed an organizational development consultant. And I went, Okay. <laughs> and I got a job within a week. Mm. So it was really, it was great. But, but when I got there, the way they made me feel about how my skills were going to be able to be used and how they took what I said and it didn't, they didn't give me that we don't do it that way here. I had so much hope in that job that I spent seven years in bliss. Oh, wow. I loved that job. So that's my hope story. I think it's an interesting story too, because it, it talks about the struggle piece. Yes. Right? That through that process, you gained some resilience. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you learned that you could do something really hard and come out on the other side better. Yeah. yeah it was definitely uh, a lesson in resilience and hope and gratitude. I, I, yeah. I actually, when I think back about that job, I'm absolutely thrilled that I act had that moment in my world. Yeah. I learned so much in there. I, I actually 
made some great friends that I still have. And, you know, it was only a seven-month gig. So that's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? Tell me one of your hope stories. Yeah, so mine starts out with diminished hope, (laughs) I would say. Mm. So one of the things, and this story actually came to mind when I was reading one of these articles that talked about the importance of recognizing when it was time to let go of hope. And that sounds Mm. kind of scary in a way, but it's... It is also, you know, when we talk about change, that it's really important also to recognize when we're making a change that sometimes, just like you were talking about, it's not the right path. And being able to let that go and to do something different, to recognize, hey, this really isn't where I want to be. So my story is about my challenge that I was having on being able to move ahead in my organization. And I had given for a year and a half, I had given everything to this job, thinking that I was actually going to be promoted into the role that I was acting in. And I gave up time with my family. Um, My health was being impacted. But I thought if I just work really, really hard, they're going to see how great I am and there's nothing, there's no way they couldn't hire me. And I'd been trying to get promoted for a while and I'd kind of been waiting my turn. My boss was going to retire and everything seemed to be pointed in the right direction. And then I didn't get the job. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge blow for me. And I felt like it was at that point that I lost hope in my ability to actually move forward. And so I actually worked with a coach and I looked at, well, what are my possibilities? If I can't move forward in this organization, what does that mean? And I did my due diligence. I talked with the people who had interviewed me. I also talked with um, the decision maker to find out what is it that I need to do differently? And they really couldn't say. They were like, no, you're really fantastic. You did a great job. <laughs> it's just that we hired somebody that we felt, you know, brought something different. And so what I really realized is I am not in control. Mm-hmm. And so I did what these articles are saying is it's important to recognize when you don't, when you aren't in control that sometimes it's okay to let go. And mm-hmm. that's really tough for me because I am, I'm a grit person. Mm-hmm. I am a, you know, set a goal, get it done kind of person. And I have a very positive outlook and I always think that there's a way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I kind of had to come, it was a huge lesson for me. I had to come to the decision that I wasn't in control and I really didn't want to leave my life path up to someone else. And so working with this coach, I was able to identify what is my next move. And that put me on the path of being a coach myself. Mm -hmm. And I really have never looked back. It has been the best decision. It's been the best decision of my life, really, um, as far as career-wise. And then a year ago now, I actually was able to leave that full-time job and 
do my own business and I'm loving it. And I'm loving that we get to do this podcast together. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really the path I was meant to be on. And sometimes, you know, we can work against that, the universe, <laughs> right? I sometimes think it's the universe, right? Who's like lining stuff up for you. And you try so hard and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing and it's just not the path you should be on. Right. And then you have to think, hey, maybe there's something to this and I need to let go of that dream and look for a new one. And then all of a sudden things don't become easy. I don't want to say that life was easy after that, but it certainly, that path became so much more in flow. I knew I could feel Mm -hmm. that my heart was happier. Um, I felt like I was really contributing. I felt like my clients really valued what I brought and it was just a much better place for me to be. And I was in control of my destiny and that was important to me. And I think you live in gratitude more now. I think you, you tried to live in gratitude when you were, you know, before you left a year ago and it's hard to find gratitude when it does seem fairly hopeless, right? It's just very hard to find the, the silver lining and something like that. But the silver lining was that you left to do what I think you love doing. And boy, talk about inspiration, right? And hope. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it yeah, it's definitely it's as we talk about love and work, this is my love and work. Yes. <laughs> yes. I exactly. love this work and I love my clients. So shout out to you, my clients, because um, I'm great I am grateful mm-hmm. um, to to them every day. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting like warm fuzzies here. <laughs> so let's talk about um, one more article that we had on the books today. And one, it's, by, it's from Forbes. It came out in October of this last year. It was called The Six Key Elements of Hope-Based Leadership, which I thought was really interesting because you know, I, I started looking up, we're, we're constantly looking for articles and things that we can reference. And this morning when I was looking for just one last article to, you know, cause I've seen a lot of them, but I, I just wanted something that kind of popped for me. And I went to Forbes and I just put in the word hope, leadership, two words, right? And this came up and when I started reading it, I thought, you know what, this is really something that's good to share. So this is an article that really talks about the importance of and the absolute connection between hope and leadership. And in the article, the I think it's Mark Correa is the person who actually wrote this article. He said that hope pushes people to imagine a better future, creating positive energy to move forward kind of like what you were just talking about, Crystal. And it's been described as an integral part of what it is to be human, the most human of all mental feelings, which I thought was so interesting. I yeah. never really thought about hope being that important. It, you know, it's the most human thing of all human feelings. It's like, really? Yeah. You know, I would have thought love or something, but no, it's hope. Right? Yeah. Um, they talk about 
how hope has always been a part of the leadership process. And they quote, or they don't quote, but they, they cite people like Nelson Mandela and Mar- uh, Martin Luther King as two leaders who, who ap- absolutely tried to instill hope in others through their speeches and through yeah. their actions, right? Yeah. And um, so I thought, I thought that was really interesting because that's, that's true. If you don't have a sight on what hope looks like in leadership, these two guys were it, right? These two Absolutely. leaders. Absolutely. I mean, how can you not say that when you say, I have a dream? Exactly. Right? I have a dream from Martin Luther King, that that's not hope, right? Mm. Yeah, I know. And, and, and to this day, I think we, if we're not doing it more often, we're doing it at least once a year, we're remembering um, this man who made such a huge impact on our world. And it's too bad sometimes that we have to still have to look at that and say, there is still hope. There's still hope. Yeah. I wish we were at that day now where we could say, remember when, yeah. you know, instead of yeah. the fact that we're still, but I'm not you know, giving up. No. You know, the other person that popped to, to mind for me of holding hope is Harriet Tubman. Oh. You know, we think about people who ask other people to risk on and to to have hope you know they didn't know even know where they were going they were just following mm-hmm. the direction risking everything yes for the hope of freedom and uh. what courage you know and strength but all coming from that vision of hope of something better and isn't it that's interesting you should say it that way because it makes me think is hope what gives courage and strength sometimes. Mm. I mean, is it that you're holding that hope and that's what enables you to do something that you might not ever do or you know, take a step that you never would have taken or say something that you might not have ever said before because it's the right thing to do and you hope, you yeah. have hope that on the other side of this, you will have found what you were looking for, right? Yeah, mm. yeah. The things can change, yep. Yes. They say that um, hope-based leadership is a process for generating hope in oneself and others, understanding and agreeing what needs to be done and how to do it, as well as facilitating individual and collective efforts to accomplish shared objectives. I think that's interesting that it's it's not just about hope in myself and or, mm-hmm. or hope for me. It's like, that's what leadership is. It's like help helping to instill hope in others to move to the next or to let's let's make this big change or let's yeah. you know let's take this road right yeah it's that i i think that's such an important call out there that's so powerful that it's think we're thinking about hope not just for yourself it has to start there we know that the leader has to have hope but then to be able to motivate and inspire others Mm -hmm. to hope it's like having hope for others in a way too i mean it's like i have hopes for you you know i used to hear that when i was a kid it's like yeah i have great hopes for you yeah that's the development piece right yeah Yeah. wow and that's talk about engagement right and when you if your leader has hope in you then and those are mentors too right leaders that are mentors that can hold aspirations for you that you might not even have for yourself yet it's a as it's a altruistic um kind of stand that that a leader can take too it's like thinking of others and doing it for others it's for themselves as well we know that but and it's for the business yeah but to 
be able to share that with people who work for you and be able to inspire them to move forward. Leaders, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they came up with, it was six key elements, right, of hope-based leadership. And the first one was creating and communicating a vision. And oh my gosh, that is so important. If you're talking about hope, to be able to, to describe your vision or to, you know, kind of show other people what your vision is, right? Warren Bennis, who I absolutely loved and I got to meet many years ago, said that leaders share at least one trait. They all have a passion for a guiding purpose, a dedication to an overarching vision. And they have more than goal-oriented. It's more than that. It's vision-oriented. And it's driving that vision that, that is really a task of leadership, but it is also, if, if you are a leader that can do that, can get people on board with your vision, you are, you're, you're gold in most businesses. Yeah. And I think that that's harder to do these days. It's very yeah. hard. Well, and one thing that, as I was looking at this, that I thought really important to, to call out is that how leaders do that has shifted over time. Mm-hmm. How leaders enroll people in their vision. It isn't just about the leader standing up in front and saying, here's where we're going. Right. Do it. Follow me. Yeah, yeah. Follow me. It's really about engaging people in it. And what does it mean for them and sort of co-creating that vision together? Right. And, you know, that's so true. And the vision isn't just for what's going on right now. It is for, you know, the future. It's beyond the next hill, if you will. And that's harder to do these days because they have shorter attention spans and oh, they yeah. and they really have their interest in something is not that long. So it is up to the leader to keep that vision in front of their people mm-hmm. and to even for themselves. I mean, it's yeah. got to be hard when everybody is fighting the vision, right? And it's and I don't think everybody does, but Everybody buys into a vision in their own way, and it's um, it's quite a task for a leader to get everybody on board with something that they may not be able to see yet, yeah. or they may not really know what will happen, but that's where hope comes in, right? Right. And then they talk about building a sense of possibility. Mm. So what's really important here is that people may be able to see that this is actually doable. So... It's important to set challenging goals, but if the goal is so far out there that people just give up before yes. they even get started. And we know <laughs> we've seen some leaders do that, right? But the goal here is to create possibilities to create goals that are stretched, but not completely outside the realm of possibility. I remember when I was younger in business and we used to do strategic planning and we would be doing that long range plan, right? And I remember they would always stretch it out to 10 years. And it was so (laughs) hard to figure out what, how, where I would even be in 10 years, let alone how I would be a part of this vision, right? And um, so I noticed that over the years of my, you know, working that the the plan got a little shorter than it was a five-year plan. And then I've even seen the three-year plan, right? Yeah. And maybe that has something to do with it. You know, you want people to keep following and keep going with you, but kind of hard to do when it's so far away, right? Yeah. People have to be able to see themselves in it. So 
Mm. One thing they say there around that sense of possibility is without a rational sense of possibility, hope can become just wishful thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Well, um, the third one is setting goals. And so important. I mean, we know as leaders, it's very important to have goals. You want people to have something to stretch towards and and to strive for. But that's important for hope, too. Goals are fundamental to generating hope because they push the organization toward a vision. Yeah. And I think that's, to me, that's kind of classic and interesting. I wouldn't have thought of it, but absolutely true. They were talking about there are different kinds of goals. And one of researchers, Kim Cameron, defined Everest goals. And Everest goals are inherently good goals. They represent a positive contribution to others and create positive and sustainable energy. So I think those Everest goals are probably more akin to hope. You know, in a way, it's like that bigger, look at it, look at it something because it's a, it's better for the environment, it's better for our earth, or it's better for whatever. She gives us an example of the difference. One is a non-Everest goal might be, we want to earn $10 million in profit by 2023. But an Everest goal might be, we will ensure that 10 million people will have secure retirement by the year 2023. So it really does inspire some hope, I would think, because you're thinking, wow, you know, that could be me. I could be there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really an interesting thing for them to pull out. Mm. Of course, we know that setting goals is important. When you set the goal, it's thinking about basically how are you going to help people resonate with it personally and how to get their heart sort of wrapped around it. And that actually gives people more of a sense of hope. You know, and we've talked about this in the past too with respect to leadership and vulnerability and the the absolute need for, for leaders if they really want to inspire and they really want people to um, follow them, they have to become vulnerable yeah. and, you know, have a heart touch, right? They have yep. to They have to appeal to somebody else's heart because the head is not enough to get a follower. It really isn't. A follower might, it might make sense, but if their heart isn't in it, they're not going to go there. So when you said that, it was like that, to me, the Everest goal is more like a heart touch. It's more like, I, you know, here's what we can do. This is what we could do. I can't do it alone. I need your help, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. So Yeah, and I think kind of what you're talking about there actually bleeds into four, mm-hmm. which is it is about that hard touch, about establishing relationships that provide energy. They're talking about you can influence another's hope through the gift of presence by communicating positive expectations or by exhibiting confidence in an individual's ability to overcome difficulties. And that one right there is enough to get a good heart touch, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I loved also that they pulled out here that hope is contagious. Yes. And the flip of that is also true. So that's why it's really important for us as leaders to pay attention to that. Yeah, and that's not a fluffy comment either. I mean, no. that's based on research. They've they've research findings have have suggested that hope has an emotional dimension. And so it is contagious. Yeah. And we see it. You've seen that before when there's a charismatic person who has a vision that is just so inspiring and you see hope start to light up in an audience 
right there. Everybody's ready to follow, right? Yeah. And the, the, the next one, the fifth one, is generate multiple pathways. Charles Snyder, I think you quoted him earlier yeah, in I another did. article, right? Yeah. He's one of the most renowned scholars in this field or in the field of hope, which did I know there was a field called hope? <laughs> Not sure. But he defines hope as agency and pathways. Generating multiple pathways increases the likelihood of achieving the desired future and enables a leader to show their team a plethora of actions that simultaneously increase the sense of possibility. It's innovation, I think. Yeah. I think it really touches to that piece, keeping your mind open, that growth mindset that there's more than one way to get there and that we can actually improve along the way. Exactly. I think that's so important, you know, and you think about so many, so many things that we do are not anymore, you know, an A to Z straight line. Yeah. You know, there are so many things in our universe that, in our environment that create uh, the path that different pathways, right? And even the solutions are alternative sometimes and they work, right? Yep. And then the last one is develop strategic patience. So Mm. to persist in hope, we must patiently await the arrival of the specific conditions needed to achieve the expected vision. And really what they're talking about here is that active patience indicates the ability to sustain a focus without losing commitment. Mm. So sustainability around the action. So in a way it's a, it is a little bit like grit, like being able to actually hold the vision, continue to work towards it, even though the rewards may be further down the path. We don't have those immediate rewards. Yeah. So we're really excited to have you on this journey with us. In our journey of hope for 2023, we'll have more guests coming up that will be talking about reasons to have hope. So we've talked a little bit about what hope is, some of our own experiences with it, and some ways to build to build hope and, and the connection that's so important to leadership. We wanted to leave you with one of our favorite poems from John O'Donohue called For a New Beginning. We hope that this inspires you and can sustain you during this year, and maybe when you need a little bit of hope. In out-of-the-way places of the heart, where your thoughts never think to wander, this beginning has been quietly forming, waiting until you were ready to emerge. For a long time, it has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness growing inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety and the gray promises that sameness whispered, heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent, wondering would you always live like this. Then the delight when your courage kindled and out you stepped onto new ground, your eyes young again with energy and dream, a path of plenitude opening before you. Though your destination is not yet clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. Soon you will be home in a new rhythm. 
for your soul senses the world that awaits you. Mm. I love that poem. I love John O'Donohue. There's always something, when I look in his books, there's always something that speaks to me in the moment, right? Yeah. It's lovely. I had this posted on my wall for several years Mm -hmm. (laughs) as I made my transition out of the organization and into my business. And what it made me think about, too, the spark of hope. So when you when you have a clear idea of what this new beginning can be, that you feel that spark of hope, that little bit of warmth, that flame, and that if you can hold that, that's that patience piece. Mm-hmm. If you can hold that, still take action, but hold the vision, and that hope can sustain you over time to actually reach your goal and your dream. Yeah, it enab- it gives you the energy to keep moving, right? Yeah. It's like, I just need to keep moving forward. I need yeah. to trust, right? right? I need to trust. Yeah, so. and then that really important leadership part we talked about, which is you do that for yourself, but then as a leader, you can do that for others. Yes. And what a gift and what a thing to be grateful for. Mm. This was fun today. Yeah. I enjoyed this. So, as always, let's keep the conversation going. If you have questions or comments about the show, you'll find us on our social media channels at Lifting Underscore Leaders. There are so many exceptional podcasts coming up this year, more with fantastic guests. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring, and I hope you do, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leader coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. As always, we must thank Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. And lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Crystal, thank you so much. This was a great day. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you, Trisha. It was fun. Full of hope. I feel hope, full of hope and inspiration. Me too. And I want to thank our audience for listening. Please find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a great week.